Celtics Reddit Podcast, Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Immediate post-game two reaction. The Celtics, they win game two, 114 to 107 behind some big boy shots by Tatum and Brown in the fourth. Wayne Spoony is joining us for this one. Spoons, how you doing, sir? Dude, I don't know how the fuck I'm going to sleep tonight. Like, <laughs> it's 10 o'clock here on the East Coast. Like, I, I have no idea. That was one of the most terrible... And then fun experience as I've ever had watching this Celtics team. And man, they did it. They did it. They came back. I don't know they how. They did it. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, I don't know no. about you, but sitting through this game, particularly in the first quarter when we started off 0-9, 9 nil was the score there from, uh, from the Nets. Yep. And then in the second quarter with the Nets swarming defense and, you know, Drummond not in foul trouble in the rim defense that they pulled out of their ass in this game, it just didn't look like we could score. Uh, it just, you know, and the Nets are not known for their defense. And, and here they were, and it just didn't seem like we were going to pull it out, which just makes this all the more exciting. You say you don't know how you're going to sleep at night. The games are on in the middle of the day here. So I walk outside my front door and it's just like the world is just like going on as normal. And I'm like, how do you all not know Normally, what just happened? Yeah. Like, the Celtics just won game two and everyone's just going about their business. Very strange. Anyway, Spoons, what are your thoughts on this one in general? So I thought, yeah, you know, you alluded to it, but the first half, I mean, Barkley said this at halftime. He said, the Nets just lost this game. Because this should be a 20-point lead with the way Boston played in that first half. And I really do think their defense was super aggressive. I mean, every time Tatum went to the hole, he had two, three, sometimes four people on him when he got to the rim. Brown the same way. I mean, they were just attacking the strong side. And it took until, I think, that Grant Williams run for Tatum especially to start figuring out, like, Oh, maybe I should pass when I have three people on me in the paint. And Grant hit a couple threes. I think Tatum ended up with four or five assists. But yeah, I was super impressed with Brooklyn. And you know, Jay and I were crushing him last pod, but I thought Drummond was a real difference maker, even though his stats don't really tell that story. But I thought we could play him off the floor, but they just had but, you know, he was just mucking it up, tipping rebounds, playing physical. Um, and they just looked like the team that really was down 1-0 and needed this game more than the Celtics in that first half. Yeah. So what do you think, just getting into like the details here, what were the major differences from both sides? So we, we touched on it a little bit there with the, the Drummond effect for the Nets. But looking at the Celtics and the Nets as well, what were sort of some of the standout adjustments from your perspective? Uh, I think they used Bruce Brown on ball uh, on Tatum and on Brown uh, more often, which I think worked. Bruce Brown's a great defensive player. I mean, there's no use having him match because Horford's been guarding him on, you know, when we're on defense, there's no point in them having him just sit on Horford in the corner. Uh, And I thought he was really a game changer there and they got him in actions on pick and roll as the screen setter a lot more. And I mean, 
it seemed like we weren't really ready for that because Bruce Brown didn't he have their first like seven or nine points yeah. to coming out of the gate. And uh, so I think that was the big thing is the Nets just kind of leaned into Bruce Brown actually being a part of their team. And it looked to me like they were running more pick and roll with Kevin Durant uh, with Bruce Brown as the screener. And we were just putting two on the ball with Durant and he was moving the ball um, similar to similarly to what Tatum has been doing and really did in the first half of last game and the second half of this game. So I, I thought they had a really nice game plan. And I, I will say that they just, you know, this isn't so much like a coaching thing. They just seemed like they were way more physical defensively and on the glass. Like Nash clearly was like, you all need to rebound the ball. And they were getting hands in and boxing out. And just like I said, they just looked like the more physical, hungry team. Yeah, I know it's the playoffs, but I don't remember the physicality on defense being such a part of the mainstream conversation. It was half of the the mainstream conversation coming out of game one in terms of the the physicality that the the Celtics put on Kevin Durant. And for the most part, they were able to continue that tonight. I think the refs were a little bit softer with the calls, but then certainly the the Nets, you know, paid us back in kind with the physicality that they put back on us in this game. So, clearly going to be part of the story going on through this series. I hope that Rob Williams can come back and take part in that because if we want someone to be physical on defense, it's that guy in street clothes on the bench, the Time Lord, that we want to come back and uh, and contribute in that sense. I, we, we talked a little bit just more about you know what were the, some of the emerging storylines from this game, Spoons. We talked offline before we started recording about how it seemed like, for the most part, until the fourth quarter, it was a battle of the role players. And you mentioned Bruce yeah. Brown... Steph Curry, Goran Dragic, like these guys were kicking our butts and, you know, our guys kind of came on a little slower. Grant Williams actually hit some threes in this game. Peyton Pritchard played the most legit Woo! minutes of his entire life uh, and and won them. He was amazing. Uh, so it was great to see our role players sort of emerge victorious in what really was a tug of war between those two cohorts of each team. So that was great to see. Yeah, and uh, it's it's because what I was saying, both teams are selling out on defense so hard to stop the two stars that you're just going to need role players to to step up. I mean, you can see when Tatum's at or uh, Tatum or Durant are at the top of the key with the ball. There's two guys on the nail, and then a guy, uh, and then obviously his man covering him. So that leaves so much space in behind. That if you can get a little bit pressure, a little bit of pressure, get by your guy, you're gonna have two, three, four people on you, and those role players are gonna be open, man, and they gotta hit their shots. And tonight, Grant did. Pritchard, obviously, he wasn't really. Pritchard was like crossing people up and hitting yeah. pull up twos. <laughs> I mean, that was awesome. The balls uh, on this guy. He really one... flopped his PP <laughs> out of the table. There it was just this veiny throbbing <laughs> PP. With... <laughs> uh man him and chode williams chode dominated williams. man <laughs> but uh, one guy i'll say and i think we could talk about on the other side of the ball maybe the downsides with him but daniel tice was seven and nine for 15 points and some of those were like timely buckets i think yeah. he had our first two of our first four points where it was like what the hell like can we find any any buckets here but he was just always there for a drop off or he gets in that little like eight to 10 foot range and he's pretty good at those. He almost takes like a mid range jumper from eight feet and it 
looks awkward, but he's been making them. So, um, and then Horford as well, who dominated in game one, was a little quieter tonight, but still six to 10, 11 points, three for six from three. And I think all three of those were desperately needed when he hit them. Oh, yeah. Either run stoppers or run creators for us. So, I think it's going to be like that the rest of the series, man. Neither team's going to let the big two on the other side beat them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to talk about the Jays in a second, but I've just pulled up the box score as you were talking about Tice because I needed to see it for myself. But yeah, 77.8% from the floor. Uh, It was a team low minus seven, which, uh, you know, single game plus minus whatever. But it does speak to some of his shortcomings defensively and how he particularly early on in this game, was getting attacked uh, relentlessly by the Nets there. Peyton Pritchard, sticking with single game, plus minus, team high, plus 15. Amazing. You love to 15. see it. 15. <laughs> uh, I want to get to some Reddit comments very quickly. Um, there's a comment from Elite Speak, Celtics Reddit mod, who said, we were the team known for blowing leads to a team you knew would come back from 17. What a fucking game, a serious full team effort to take this one. And then Tatum Goat followed up with Jalen Brown, won us both these games with his fourth quarter play. Spoons, obviously the Jays, it was a bit rough for them early on and credit the Nets' yeah. defense for that. What did you see adjustment-wise from Adoka and the Jays as the game progressed, you know, for them to really emerge as like key winning points for the Celtics in this game? I think a big thing was we were running like this interesting like three high offense where it was smart in the Jays or Pritchard and Smart and a J, or Pritchard and the Jays, like some combination of those four guys. And they were just like setting picks for each other and back screens and stuff like that, basically through the entire fourth quarter. And man, it was really generating a ton of awesome looks. It was getting Tatum downhill. It was getting Brown downhill. And I think that was just a genius adjustment. And he loves to do that with Pritchard, but I really like that he started doing it with Smart Moore and, and Jalen and Tatum. So that was the big thing I think helped out the Jays to get going. But I think the main thing was Jalen and especially Tatum just really started, I'm going to pass the ball. I just have to pass the ball and trust my guys. And Tatum finished yeah. with 10 assists, which I kind of like didn't even realize he had that many. Um, but at, at some point you just got to realize, man, you're not going to, you're not going to score 40 every game. So you've got to pass the ball. And, you know, I think he did. And ultimately we got the win, but I think one big thing is, Sometimes it's just shooting luck, man. Yeah. Sometimes you get open shots and they don't go down, and sometimes they do. And Jalen finally locked in, and man, he hit a bunch of big shots in that fourth quarter, dude. Yeah, there was a comment from user Dusting Off, who's featured heavily on this podcast as of late. He said, "Yeah, never before in my life have I seen a team get more perfect bounce loose balls, and it sucked. Referring to the Nets, of course, but it seemed like that first half, yeah. and speaking of Curry and Dragic and all these guys who had that impact, they were just getting these crazy bounces, and the leprechaun you know, was sucked out of the building, as it were, and uh, <laughs> certainly came back in for the second half and, and helped guide, guide the Jays to victory there. Interesting that you, what you mentioned with the the adjustments with the Jays and, and moving the ball uh, as the game went on. Tatum's over under for assist in this game was four point five, which uh, yeah. hindsight very low, <laughs> very low. <laughs> yeah. But um, they also, like I said up the top there, they did hit some big boy shots. Both of them, 
Jalen Brown with some like critical, you know, in hindsight, dagger threes that sort of made the lead yeah. um, insurmountable by the Nets. And, and Tatum had one where the play just like completely broke down. And it was almost like a set shot on the on the right wing there, sort of the, the wing closest to our screen as viewers, where he just like shot over the top of his defender. And that's a superstar shot. That was the game right there. And uh, amazing to see that, you know, he's still young and the moment isn't isn't too big for him there. So really good to see. What adjustments do you see the Celtics and the Jays uh, specifically making as the series goes on? Wasn't a perfect game for them. So how do you see them coming out of the gates in the next couple of games? So you you actually mentioned this in our group text, and I, I will be interested to see that we have, and you were spot on, we have not done a very good job of attacking Curry and Drogic and lesser so, but still Kyrie. And I wonder if... Yudoka will try and maybe clear out a side and isolate them in like a two, you know, in like a two man game. Because, you know, if you've got Seth Curry on Grant Williams hiding on Grant in the corner or something like that, and then you got Bruce Brown on Tatum, like you could almost set the pick with Grant, have Seth switch on onto Tatum, or if they don't switch it, like. If Grant Williams has Seth Curry on him, clear it out and post him up. Like Grant Williams will score, and I know it seems weird that like we're in the playoffs against a seemingly we, we all thought was going to be a super team at at the beginning of the season. And I'm saying give the ball to Grant Williams on the block, but <laughs> he will not be able to guard Grant Williams, yeah. and you just have to pick at that sore because if you don't. Seth Curry's going to kill you, man. And he was four for six from three, had 16 points. It felt like he had 40 points, honestly. I felt like every time he touched the ball, the shot was going in. And the Nets are doing a really good job if they get those mismatches where Curry's on Tatum or Dragic is on Brown. They're just sending somebody. They're just like, no, you're just going to have to pass it. We're just not going to let you get what you want out of this. So I think there's ways we could use Horford in this way, too, where it's like, don't hunt the switch for Tatum. Hunt it for Horford. Hunt it for Grant Williams. And then just get Seth Curry out of this game, man. And they don't have anybody on the bench to replace. Like, okay, you can do the same thing against Dragic. And then who is it? Kessler Edwards? <laughs> he played for like three minutes, got <laughs> yeah. a foul the first time he was like involved in an action. I don't think we <laughs> saw him again. So I-, I think that's the big thing I'll be looking at is, you know, the offense was clunky in that first half. It seemed like we found something in the second half, but I think we can even do a lot better kind of picking on their weaker defenders. Yeah. Put Steve Nash in a position where he really needs to consider taking out some of his best non-KD, non-Kyrie offensive players. I think he was right. almost there. Like, uh, Dragic was so good in the first half and we didn't really see much of him in the second. I think a lot of that was because of the risks defensively from the Nets perspective. Very yeah. thankful for that because, I mean, we're going to get to a new segment where we talk about frightening moments in, in the series so far in a second. We talked about adjustments for the Jays. What about from the Kyrie KD perspective? Because, you know, the, the storyline heading into game two out of game one is that there's no way that Kevin Durant was going to play as poorly. And then thinking more technically, you know, the Nets were going to find new ways of getting Kevin Durant better looks and we saw more high pick and roll in this game with KD as the ball handler less of him trying to get open shots out of off ball actions didn't necessarily work the Celtics switching defense did a pretty good job of staying in front of KD in this game and and nullifying that 
So with KD, with Kyrie moving forward, what's the plan? I, I, I'm not sure what else you can do for Durant. I mean, Tatum is just in his pocket. Yeah. I have never seen anything like this before against Kevin Durant. I mean, Tatum is all over him. Everywhere he goes, man, he's like his shadow. He's just up in him. Like he's grabbing him. He's, you know, checking him. He's elbowing him gently. You know, it's not a foul. Like he's just everywhere. And then when they get an off ball switch, it's like Horford just steps in front of him and bumps him and lets Tatum get back to him. So I said it after the game one when I was on the pod with Jay, it it does not look like to me Kevin Durant wants any part of this series. I mean, we are being so physical with him and we're selling out to stop him. Like, I think the only thing he can do is be a passer. He just has to pass and make us stop doing that because you're just grinding your team's offense to a halt if you keep trying to ISO against two guys, especially with how well we're doing it. And you saw that in the fourth quarter, man. Like, their offense, would they score 12 points in the fourth quarter? I mean, it was like eight points while the game was... You know, when the game, once we were up 10 with like three minutes left, they had only scored eight points up to that part. And that was like Katie. Sorry, go ahead. It was 29-17 Boston in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And a lot of that Durant got like six points off free throws at the very end of the game when it was over. And he was just trying to go at us, trying to go at us, trying to go at us. And we're just too good of a defense to just ISO, you know, in crunch time like that. Yeah. I don't know what happened. Dude, what happened to Kyrie this game? Well, I, I just feel like he wasn't even playing. Yeah, it was. I mean, he mentioned, I mean, this is a smooth brain take, but he, he mentioned like <laughs> uh, he had more focus when fasted. And we saw him hit the banana like three minutes into the game, right? Yeah. Sundown, <laughs> yeah. sitting on the bench like Donkey Kong, <laughs> eating a banana. <laughs> and suddenly, you know, he had seven less shot attempts in this game. I think a lot of that was because, and this is maybe hard to notice on first watch. I'm going to have to go back and watch the game again. The Celtics forcing the ball out of Kyrie's hands, which in theory sounds difficult. Like he's not a guy necessarily that can be discouraged from taking difficult shots. Yeah. And yet here we were in this game. Yeah, I mean, he just seemed discouraged. It seemed like the crowd, obviously I wasn't in the arena, were a little bit less intense with their anti-Kyrie sentiments. So I don't know how much that comes into play as well. Um, I guess what I'm saying here, Spooty, as I stumble for an answer, is I, I don't know. I mean, we're going to have to go back and check the film and then see what happened there. Because <laughs> definitely a, a bit of a dud game from from Kyrie Irving. One One thing I'll say I noticed is that I think we let Kyrie get switches he wanted in the first game and kind of dared him to beat us in isolation. This game, it seemed like to me, Marcus Smart's job was to cover Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Period. I don't care. Like, we'll hedge, we'll switch for a second, you get back to him. And Smart was, we're doing the same thing with Tatum and Durant. And I I mean, Smart was incredible on Kyrie all game. But I mean, still, like, the dude has the reputation of being one of the most dynamic offensive players ever, really. Yeah. And did he take, what, he take one or two shots in the fourth quarter? Like, I cannot remember him taking a shot in the fourth quarter. I know he did. I think he had, like, a fallaway mid-ranger that he missed. But, like, 
he was invisible. Peyton Pritchard did was a better Kyrie Irving than Kyrie Irving was in that fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah, Kyrie was one for four in the fourth quarter. Yeah, a, a minus okay. fourteen, and scrolling down to Peyton Pritchard, four for five. <laughs> Amazing, <Bang>. <laughs> <laughs> just like we all predicted. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I want to get to our last Reddit comment here. This is from Derelict Donkey Engine, and they say that this was the most convincing quote: "We are a good team" game of the entire season for me personally. Fucking loved it. I want to zoom yep. out a bit here, Spoons, because like this is a this is a, a hyped situation. We're up two zero on these Durant led Brooklyn Nets, and I've just been peppering you with these like semi technical questions. Zooming out a bit from more like the the emotional <laughs> perspective, where does this? What do these first two games leave you from a confidence standpoint heading into the rest of the series? Is it is it fuck the Nets at this point? Have we got this in the bag, or how do you feel? Well, oh, I I never feel that way we were up 10 with a minute 30 left and i was like fuck man all it takes is a three stop and a three yeah, like, slack was tense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah finally smart hit that lefty lamp and i was like all right we win we win but um i i said after game one i feel really good about this series now because i felt like that was the Kyrie in the garden hanging his dong on us making every shot and we were about to choke away a 15-point lead. That felt like everything bad that we've seen with the Celtics the last two years coming home to roost. And when they pulled that out, I just felt really, really good about this team, um, more so than I already had, because I feel like the crunch time was still a question mark. And now, after these two performances, fuck is crunch time a strength? <laughs> I almost feel that way now. Yeah. Like they were amazing in two games against Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. So I said after game one, Celtics in five, I think the Nets win game three. I think we take four and I think we take five and I think we're moving on, man. Like I, I, I was petrified <laughs> of Brooklyn today. Pet- I would mock you. Yeah. Mom- today, earlier today, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a half hour ago. Um, <laughs> But I, it just feels like we have such a good game plan to stop those two, and they're just they just don't have that third guy who can consistently punish us throughout. I mean, they have to win four out of five games, right? Yeah. I mean, boom, that's really wait, no, that's not the math. Four out of six, no, four out of five, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah they have to win it. four out of five. <laughs> like that's really hard to do against like. Teams you're better than, never mind a team that at least you got to say were their equal. So I'm very, very confident, but I'm also very cautious because I know all it takes is Katie and Kyrie to go on a scoring bender and they can win four in a row. Like, so um, I'm feeling good, but I'm always ready for disaster. How are you feeling, Ben, man? How are you feeling? (laughs) Cautiously optimistic. I mean, after this, I think it's the middle of the day here. It's just started raining. Maybe you can hear that on my my attic roof here, but... I just need to like run, like just run like yeah, endlessly right. and like get this energy <laughs> off of me. Uh, as far as this the series is concerned, game two is a must win game, right? If we went into yeah, Brooklyn tied one one, we lose that home court advantage, we go back with the momentum in Brooklyn's possession, and I'm concerned. Now we're up two games. You know, the first game you could forgive Brooklyn for walking away with some confidence. Uh, like it was, it was almost a tie in that, like it just came down to the, yeah, the team really. with the ball at the end, winning the game. Like that's all it was. 
And so you can see the Nets having some confidence walking away from that one. We, we kind of like strangled them a little bit in this game and I hopefully took away a little bit more of their confidence. And, and like you said, Spoonie, like what else can they do at this point to try and get one over the seas? And we're in this great position of only needing to go into Brooklyn, get one game, come back to Boston for game five, up 3-1 ideally, and just hammer at home at home. End so confidence sky high. Obviously, there's the Kyrie Durant factor there. Bringing me down a little bit, but today is not about that. Today is about the celebration. <laughs> Speaking of celebrations, we should talk about the bench very quickly. Like we, we talked about how the role players were a huge factor on either side in this game. Derek White, not great in the first game. Grant Williams, very not great in the first game. Talk to me about what you liked from them in comparison in game two. Uh, I, I So I will say Grant missed his threes in the first game, but he was three for three from two. And I really like how physical he's been with Kevin Durant. Like, it just looks like he is pissing Kevin Durant off. And like, dude, having Grant Williams lean on you and bump into you for 20 minutes a night is really going to suck. And mm. he's doing that perfectly. And then if you get Grant flamethrower Grant Williams with that on the offensive end, I mean, that is like invaluable. Uh, and like, fifth best player on the team good like I mean he was just incredible on both ends tonight and I I thought he did his best on the glass against Drummond and Claxton who are just way bigger than him so uh I I mean Grant I cannot say enough about how good Grant was tonight and we needed those that run of like eight points he had to end the first quarter yeah I think we lose that game without that run I really do I agree absolutely yeah Derek White, 0 for 2 from the floor, and yet seemingly better than game one. I know he had that really critical layup where he sort of landed on his back in, in game one, but he just felt, I don't know, he felt like he Off. more impactful in, in game two in terms of the flow of the overall team offense and defense. I think there's a lot he did defensively that won't go credited to him on the box score. He was just solid and kind of within the context of a single playoff game off the bench, exactly what we needed, especially when Peyton Pritchard, Old plus 17 or plus 15 or whatever it was. Amazing. A playoff game performance <laughs> from Peyton Pritchard. I thought he was barely going to see any minutes, particularly he was kind of the catalyst for Kyrie Evan getting hot in game one. It was those few possessions yeah. where he was defending Kyrie. Kyrie got it going. That was it for old, old mate Peyton Pritchard. And he responded, which like, again, just talk about flopping that PP, that, that veiny, <laughs> that offensively veiny throbbing PP just <laughs> on the table. Amazing. You love to see it. Real quick, I want to shout out Udoka too because he got those awesome minutes out of Pritchard in the fourth quarter, and then before it could go bad, he yanked him. There's like four minutes left. He's like, "Thank you, Pritchard. We've got a six point lead. See you, buddy." Back to the bench, and then he brought him back on when uh, he went defense, offense, subs in the last minute and a half. There, Pritchard got two kind of cheap buckets at the end there, but. I thought that was a really savvy move by Udoka. Like, okay, now we need to protect this lead that Pritchard helped us get with his big veiny PP. Uh, <laughs> let's go. I think I think he brought in Derek White at that point. Um, yeah. So I thought that was just really good coach, really good late game coaching from a rookie coach. Man, totally. Yeah, it doesn't carry himself like a rookie coach, and and neither do no. like Will Hardy or any of his supporting cast. They obviously, you know, this isn't new, but they've all got a breadth of experience from their prior roles uh, across the organization and that's that's really showing now which is great 
They almost have this vibe of like a plucky startup where like they've worked in tech roles for years and like big <laughs> I love companies. It, yeah. and, like now they're like, they're, <laughs> you know, they're, they're planning their IPO. Like they know what they're doing. The stock price is going to soar. I want to end here with a, a segment that I devised halfway through the second quarter. So forgive me if this isn't <laughs> aligned with the outcome of the game, but I want to talk about the, and this is sponsored by your local cardiac ward, the heart attack moments of the game, moments that almost caused you to have a brain aneurysm or a stroke or, you know, for, you know, a, a pulmonary embolism, whatever it may be. I want to start Spoons. Goran Dragic almost ended my life halfway through this game. <laughs> I thought that was it. I thought we were going to lose the series to Goran Dragic. I thought he was going to turn it around with his gray hair and his, like, dad on the sidelines vibe. You know, he was killing us. That's my number one heart attack moment of the game. What have you got? <laughs> Uh, first of all, let's not hate on gray hair too much. My buddies were texting me like, you and Goran Dragic have the same hair, dude. I'm with you. Uh, uh, so there was a moment in the third quarter when we were storming back and we had cut it to maybe like three, somewhere in the five to three range. And I can't remember who drove, but we knocked it loose and it just like landed in Andre Drummond's lap. He laid it up and got an and one and it turned like, you know, we're one bucket away from tying this game into like, fuck, now it's back to six. Are you kidding me, man? (laughs) And that I really thought it was over at that moment um, because that was the second time that quarter we had a steal almost in our hands only for them to get it back and get three points because earlier we picked, I think, Durant's pocket Kyrie picked it up, threw it to Seth Curry wide open for three. And it's like, man, those are the moments in a close game where you think back. And like, if those two didn't happen, we would have been up 16. You know, are you like, we'd be up five right now instead of down one. So that that was my heart attack moment, dude. It was so painful. But God damn it, they still persevered and won. I know. I amazing. believe it. Amazing. And I hope, it's incredible. I hope that an outcome like this, health-wise, like there's a restorative quality from a win like this that actually like gets you to tack a few more years onto your life because God knows right. I've lost enough watching these games. Spoons, right. we're, we're about to wrap up here. Uh, obviously, we're going to come back later tonight with our New Zealand correspondent, Joe, for, for part two of this podcast. Anything else that we haven't touched on as part of this call that you want to get to before we wrap it up? I got nothing for you, man. Season five. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. That's going to do it for this one. Like I said, we will be back for part two later tonight with our faithful New Zealand correspondent, Joe. Until then, Wayne Spoonie. Love your work, mate. Thanks again. Thanks, man. All right, folks. Until next time, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.